definitely get what you pay for, for sure, right? If you're paying for terror attacks and you're doing it yourself and it's like 99 bucks or whatever it is, then your output is going to be limited. Whereas if you go to a professional who has seen and done this before, and that's all that they do all day, every day, just like a marketer. And when it's, that's all you do all day, every day, right? you're going to know. And you'll know, you know, within two seconds, what the situation is. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to sit down and speak with Chris Haverchon. He is the CPA and CVA and is sole proprietor of his own CPA firm. He provides outsourced accounting and tax preparation services, primarily for marketing creative agencies. But before founding his firm, Chris spent 10 years working in forensics accounting and corporate accounting and finance. He has been featured in numerous publications, including the Journal of Accountancy, South Carolina CPA Report, AICPA Certifications, Wall of Fame, Accounting Today, Amex Open Forum, Lending Tree, CMS Wire, CEO Blog Nation, and WinSavvy, as well as a number of podcasts for his industry-specific knowledge and accounting expertise. And then in 2018, Chris was one of only 41 CPAs honored by the American Institute of CPAs. And as a member of the Leadership Academy's 10th graduating class, he was selected based on his exceptional leadership skills and profession, AI experience for the four-day Leadership Academy program, and he graduated from that in October of 2018. And then in 2019, he was selected as one of the CPA's practice advisors 40 under 40. And when he is not helping clients build and grow their companies at agencies, Chris enjoys spending time with his wife, three young kids, playing golf, and we'll get into that a little bit more, obsessing over efficient workflows, listening to Metallica, (laughs) and rooting for his beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Every April, you can find him on the 18th hole of Harbor Town Golf Links, volunteering as a marshal at the PGA Tours RBC Heritage event. We're going to cover a lot of interesting, unique, and very, very valid, relevant, current topics that's going on in our weird economy, as he called it. So stay tuned. But first, we have our marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. I thought it would be appropriate to share a little bit more about customer acquisition costs and lifetime value of your customers. So you can get a baseline to begin when you are looking at how you're going to track your marketing and what you're going to do to get that ROI. And then, of course, we're going to talk a little bit more about that with our interview today. But let's just share customer acquisition costs, thinking about all of the tactics and all of the things that you do to acquire you new, new customers, everything from the marketing dollars you spend on advertising, promotions, materials that you use, the, the uh, trinkets and trash, we call it, or tchotchkes, if you will, the trade show booths that you may set up, the lunches that you put on or have with prospective clients, the time and energy that you spend putting proposals together, estimates together, everything that you do to acquire those new customers. So the idea is pick a, a, a time frame, and if it's going to be the whole year or maybe once a quarter or once a month, how much have you spent during that time frame? 
And how many new customers did you receive during that time frame? And how much did you spend to get each of those clients? So you're really gonna just do some simple math and understand what budget you're gonna set. And then you're gonna start to see and continue to track that to see if what is happening is that you are acquiring more new customers and spending less to acquire them. That means that your marketing is working, everything that you're doing is working if you can spend less to acquire more ideal customers. That's the key word here, making sure that what you're doing, continuing to tweak your strategy, your plan, your tactics, all the things that you're working on can then help you make sure that you're on track over time. And then looking at those clients and understanding the lifetime value of each of those clients that you've now received or the customers that you've gained. If it's a one and done buy and they're not going to buy from you again, that's very different if they're going to continue to buy from an, on an ongoing basis, right? And the longer that they buy from you, the more value that they're going to continue to be. So thinking about how you can attract those customers that are going to produce a higher lifetime value for you is very critical to making sure that what you're doing in your marketing is working and that you're successful and that you're continuing to track it. And now I do have a spreadsheet that we use, a Google Sheets that we use to help our customers track this information. And if you ever want access to that, hit me up and make sure that I can work with you to make that happen. Uh, go to themarketingexpedition.com go register and then you can register for one month for free on me and then we can connect and I can get you this spreadsheet that you can use so that you can start benchmarking your customer acquisition cost, your lifetime value, and some other little goodies and tools in there and tips in there that you can use as well. So go to themarketingexpedition.com and use promo code MONTH1, sign up for a free month. Ideally, we'll keep you going and you can sign up for the whole year if you'd like, but do that and then you can get that free gift from us. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today we have Chris with us today. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's just get started. Uh, give me a little bit more into your background. What got you from there to here and some of the fun things that you've done along the way. Oh, holy cow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's see. The, the short version, I guess, is that my background is in accounting. I own an accounting firm. We're virtual and we've got an international team. I am based in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I started, so how I got from there to here, I started as a golf pro, which makes total sense. I did that for about five <laughs> minutes. Had, a, had an accounting degree, obviously, from college and um, I only made it about, I don't know, 18 months, something like that as a golf pro. And so I've been in accounting ever since started in forensic moved to uh, corporate finance and accounting and then out of there into what is now a firm that i run and it started as a side hustle which i'm sure a lot of your listeners can appreciate um mm -hmm. especially nowadays and started as a side hustle i think this about 12 years ago i think this is my 12th year if i'm counting correctly and been full-time for just a little over four years it's been about four years in a month so so far so good having a good time doing it Excellent. Well, I um, would imagine that you still golf regardless if you are no longer the golf pro that you uh, were, but uh, once you golf, you, you're always going to be a golfer, right? And it's good for business too, right? Yeah, just not well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, I can definitely relate to that. I uh, started taking golf lessons and I think I can maybe start to officially call myself a golfer. <laughs> Anyway, it's it's always a good time. Okay, so when people come to you, tell me tell me a little bit more. Let's back up. Tell me about how you help people specifically in what you do. Right. So what we do specifically is we are dealing in certainty and confidence. That's what we do. Now, that's the end result of what we do. So what we really do is the accounting, the tax, tax planning, um, financial financial planning in the business context, things like that. So we're keeping good clean books on the back of good, clean books, that's timely, then we can start to do advisory services. And then that's where some of the certainty and the future focus comes in. And then that's what gives our clients the confidence to go and make business decisions that they have a reasonable certainty amount because nothing is hundred percent certain that they can go and make these business decisions and, and carry forward with a reasonable amount of certainty. So that's why I say that we deal in certainty and we deal in confidence. That's really what we're delivering. Now there's nuts and bolts type stuff that we do there, which is the accounting stuff and filing a tax return, the compliance stuff. Um, but really at the end of the day, what we're doing is, um, certainty and confidence. Good. So then when it comes time to businesses who might be struggling, the first thing that you tell them not to do is don't cut your marketing budget, right? <laughs> I do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good. Yeah, Good. I absolutely do. And it, it's the funniest thing because we deal with a lot of marketing creative agencies and we're right up as we're recording this, we're right up against like budget time. We start budgeting in the fall mm -hmm. and Every single one of them to a T, we always have these conversations around, all right, what do we want revenue to be next year? Okay, cool. And it's always higher, obviously. We're always yeah. planning for, for more revenue. But okay, well, what are we going to do around marketing and advertising to support that? And it's always a really hard conversation. It's, it's the funniest thing to get marketers to yeah. budget enough <laughs> to grow their revenue enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the, yeah. It's fascinating. It is. And that's what I was thinking about is, you know, when you spend the money on marketing and you look at what your ROI is and return on marketing investment, and as a good marketer, that's what you should be doing is tracking those numbers and making sure that you are getting that return. But I think from an accounting perspective, being able to track what you're spending is is crucial. And I think a lot of people sometimes dismiss how important it is to track all of those expenses, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you don't have the right amount of data, then you can't make the right decisions. A great, I mean, the marketing and advertising budget is is a is a good example. Another good example is just having the data around where you're spending your money. So, what vendors are you spending your money with? Mm -hmm. And when it comes time, I mean, we're going through a little bit of a economically weird time right now. I think is a, yep. Is I think that's a good way to put it. Sure. Yeah. Econo <laughs> yeah. Economically weird. Um, yeah. That's a new term. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're going through this period and, you know, for our clients who may be having cash flow issues or like what we've seen basically across the board last, I don't know, six months or so is just a slowness, mm -hmm. just a slowness for new projects to get off the ground, to sign new clients, things like that. And so when cash gets a little bit slower and gets maybe a little bit tight and we're starting to have these conversations around, all right, well, what expenses do we need to cut? Where we don't want to start is with advertising, where we don't want to start is with people, things like that. It's mm -hmm. the other stuff. But when we're talking about like software expenses, well, you need to know you spend this much per month with this vendor, mm -hmm. and then you can start to do that analysis. But if you have financial data where you don't even know, like this is where our software expense is, and this is where our office expense is, and things like that, and you just don't even know, you can't even tell me what vendors they are, that's when you have a problem. That's when you can't 
you, you know, you have to start doing some mental gymnastics in order to figure out, well, this is what I need to start cutting. And so that's where good, clean financial data comes in. I love that too. Yeah. And if people just lump everything into to marketing and, you know, don't necessarily separate it out, they don't have tags or things that allow them to understand what they're spending and how much they're spending and how much it's taking them to acquire new customers, then they have no benchmark to understand how much it's going to cost them to acquire more new customers. And the idea, right, is to make the cost of acquiring new customers go down while you're acquiring the customers that you want, and those numbers will go up. And so it's just this balance of continuously kind of teeter-tottering between getting more new customers that you want and spending the money to do it, right? Absolutely. That's how you scale, and that's how you become more profitable. Mm -hmm. So tell me about who your ideal client is that you get to work with, that you love, like your soulmate client. If you could open the door tomorrow and that person would walk through your door, quick and mortar or brick and mortar door, right? Who would that person be and why? Oh, good question. Uh, so like I said, we, we work mostly with marketing creative agencies. Um, they're a lot of fun and we kind of fill that void of the financial expertise, right? That's really where we fill. Um, so they're our ideal client is some is an agency that is between 500,000 and 5 million. That's our sweet spot. And usually uh, we're working with the CEO of the agency. And what we like to see is, are they open-minded? Uh, are they engaged in running the business? Uh, because that, that two-way dialogue is absolutely crucial for providing advisory services. Yeah, we can do the accounting and just kind of sit in the background and crunch numbers, but that's not really, that's not where our value is. Our value is helping um, to scale an agency really. So, um, that's pretty much it. Like somebody who's got an open mind, like we are creative accountants, but we don't do creative accounting. If that makes sense. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like we're like, we're always trying to build a better mousetrap, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. as, just as far as how we do the accounting and the information that we can get and how fast we can get it and how clean we can get it and things like that. So, that's the creative piece. It's we're always following accounting principles, obviously. So it's not creative accounting, but it's creative in the back end in the way that we do what we do. Nice. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. Which is why we need we need folks that are open minded, is because we're we're just, you know, we operate a little bit differently than the typical accounting firm. Awesome. So do you um work with since you work with agencies, do you use do you see a lot of your clients just use QuickBooks or do they have industry proprietary software that they that you also deal with? Uh, we are a QuickBooks online only shop. Gotcha. And yeah, so th there's occasionally we'll get a client who comes to us and they're on zero or they're on something else. We usually see that on the smaller agency side. Like maybe we'll see something like a wave where they just, you know, and generally where we'll see that is like freelancers who they just needed something in order to send an invoice to a client. You know, they're just doing kind of work on the side. Wave is free. So that's a great option for that. So we'll see that. And then, you know, they get to a point where it's like, all right, well, I need, you know, more fully baked accounting processes and things like that. We'll migrate them over to QuickBooks. Occasionally we see a zero client mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, not very often. I can count most definitely on one hand on clients who have come to us using something other than QuickBooks Online. The thing with QuickBooks Online is it's just so widely used mm -hmm. and it's got the best ecosystem as far as apps that connect to it and the way that you can move data into and out of it. Plus, because it's so widely used, it's so easy to get help. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, a lot of times what we see is the clients who come to us using something that's maybe industry specific that maybe wasn't built by an accountant on the finance side. It's a little bit different to do or it's a little bit difficult to do 
quality accounting. And so it gets, a, it gets difficult to find people who can kind of navigate that. And then what you end up with is several years of very messy data. We've had that happen, which is yeah. always fun to clean up, which is why we have a job, I guess. But um, <laughs> that's right. So we, yeah, we don't see it too much. And like I said, you know, QuickBooks got, has just got the best ecosystem. So you can, you can move data into and out of it and with other apps and things like that fairly easily. And, you know, it's one of the things that we're good at. Even if there isn't a native integration, we can build one. Excellent. Okay, so now I want to know, as a as a creative uh, CPA, uh, <laughs> uh, I want to know what kinds of things do you do to help market your business to get new clients in your door? A lot of content. So like going on podcasts like this, yeah. um, that's part of it. I've had a YouTube show for a couple of years, nice. uh, blog posts, eBooks, things like that. It, it always really comes back to content mm -hmm. and just doing research on what are people out there Googling that that's helpful. But a lot of what we do is talking to clients and just ask them like, what's going on in your world. And I keep a running list. These are all of the things that our clients are talking to us about or questions that they're asking. And like, this is interesting. This is probably going to be helpful to somebody else out there. And just keep a running list and then build content around it, whether it's going to be an ebook or a video or, you know, right. post something right. like that. Well, and I imagine that there is a ton of knowledge that you have shared and dropped on your YouTube channel. What is it? <laughs> YouTube, if you just go and search my name, Chris Herbishon, C-H-R-I-S-H-E-R-V as in Victor, O-C-H-O-N, you'll, you'll find it. Especially with all of the kind of recent updates and changes to laws and, you know, things that have been uh, because of the pandemic and ERC credits and and uh, PPP, I mean, all of those types of things. I'm, have you addressed a lot of the different new rules that are constantly coming out? <laughs> Yeah, there, and there's a lot going on there, and there's been a lot going on there for. I mean, we're well in two years into that, for, like right now. Yeah. Um, you know, when PPP came out, we I personally spent like two weeks every day, all day, talking to clients, just saying, "Hey, this is what it is. This is what we think you should do. This is how to do it." And it, I don't know if you remember, but it was a, it was the absolute wild, wild west. The mm -hmm. ERC credit has been that's been worse. That's <laughs> I would yeah. venture to say lately, just the people who are getting into that, some of them are reputable, some of them aren't. Um, mm -hmm. it's, there's a little bit of snake oil being sold there, so you definitely need to be careful. Mm -hmm. Now, with the Inflation Reduction Act, there's some stuff that's in there as well. That is still getting unpacked. And as recently as last week, I was on a, a town hall with the AICPA, which is kind of the mm -hmm. largest organization of CPAs. And kind of the the... MO there is we just need to wait and see based on that act, how the IRS is going to interpret it and the regulations that are going to come out. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit too early to kind of figure that one out and to build content around it. In my opinion, I would much rather um, be correct and be and provide robust guidance as opposed to being first, right? Mm -hmm. I we want to make sure that we get it right. We want to make sure that the advice that we're providing um, is baked on something that is that is tangible and that the, you know, the IRS is okay and they've come out with regulations. So we're not necessarily concerned with being first. We're concerned with being right and providing really good advice to our clients. Oh, I like that too. So how does it make you feel that they're going to hire a whole bunch more IRS agents? <laughs> oh man, so, I'm so happy that you asked me that question. Um, so what are the, I, I think that it's overblown at the moment. And one of the things that is in that law is that they can shift the dollars and how they're going to spend them. So what 
accounts are really pushing on right now is that we need people at the IRS to answer phones. We don't need like we don't necessarily need agents who are going to go knock down doors and start collecting money like like gangsters. What we and that's hyperbolic, I know. Sure. But what we really need are people to answer the phones. Like when you because we have this automated notice apparatus at the IRS and when they send out these notices it, it's going to end in a phone call, whether it's the right. client that's calling and the clients, what the client's going to tell us is, you know, I'm going to call the IRS. I'm going to sit on hold for three hours. I'm not going to get in touch with anybody. I don't have that kind of time. That's what I pay you for. Right. Like, fair, fair enough. That's why, you know, folks like me, uh, practitioners, tax practitioners, we have the practitioner priority line. Well, when I call the practitioner priority line, I expect to get a, like somebody to pick up the phone, which would be super great. So <laughs> right. One of the one of the things that we've been pushing on is for the IRS to hire more people to like literally just answer the phone. So I think that you're going to see that for sure. Now, a couple of years ago, it was kind of buried in the news and with the whole pandemic thing, it didn't really get a whole bunch of attention. It got attention from us, but it didn't get attention widely. That the IRS, I think, I think the number was we're going to go hire five thousand new agents. Mm. Well, like six months later, and that's not an actual number, so don't hold me to it. But months later, it what they ended up being able to hire was a fraction of that. So the IRS, number one, they're, they're fighting upstream because they've got an older population of employees. As we know, mm -hmm. we've got a whole bunch of baby boomers who are retiring. So they're, they're fighting to replenish that everybody else in the world. We're all having hi problems hiring too. So mm -hmm. it's not like they can just manifest these people and they're going to magically want to, going to want to go work at the IRS. The accounting pipeline, as far as folks coming through school has been not so good for a period of time. So it's not like they can just find these people and hire them overnight. So it's not like we're just going to have this mass enforcement um, process that's put into place tomorrow. It's just not going to be a thing. It's just not practical. So I think a little bit of the concern and a little bit of the hysteria over it needs to be toned down. Well, yeah. I mean, as a small business owner, I just immediately think, oh my gosh, they're going to hire all these IRS agents. That just means that they're going to do a lot more audits and that we're all going to get audited even more than we were before, right? <laughs> sure. And, and like, even if the audit rate on S-Corps doubles, you're still going to be less than like 2%, 2.5%, something like that. Like the audit rate of S-Corps right now is like 1% or less. I don't have the number right in front of me, but it's very, very low. The odds of getting audited are very, very low. Now, probably what's going to happen is the audit rate is going to go up on the lower end of the income scale, just because for a variety of reasons, they're just e they're easier to audit, right? And they're more likely to be successful from the IRS. And that's just the way that it is. But like I said, even if it doubles, you're still going to be low single digits of, mm. of the, the number of, of businesses that are getting audited. And I mean, is that the worst thing? Probably not. If you're getting audited, it's terrible. Yeah, it's not not the best experience, but it's not it's not the I wouldn't be sitting there thinking if I'm a business owner, like just because they're going to be hiring all these agents that people are going to be you know knocking down my door. Like that's, that's probably just not how it's going to work out. What are some red flags that you've seen that have caused people to get audited, or have you even seen that happen? Uh, knock on wood, I've never had a business owner that's gotten audited. Knock on wood. Okay, I'll do that for yeah. you. <laughs> I've never had a business owner that, that's gotten audited. Notices, yes. Notices happen, and the vast majority of those are going to be automated. And the vast majority of those are going to come from some sort of a matching type exercise where, where things don't match. Um, a great example, <laughs> great example is if you have a W-2, 
let's just say you've got multiple jobs and you give me one W-2, but in reality you had like two or three jobs. And so I'm missing two or three W-2s. Well, the IRS is going to send you a notice and say, Hey, by the way, your wage income is, or your wages is just way too low on your tax return that you filed. Here's the adjustment, pay your bill. Right. So that's the most common type of thing that we see. Um, mortgage interest is another one. Anything where they, anything where there's a, a statement that somebody provides to you that they're also providing to the IRS and there's a ma- there's like a three-way match that's going on there. So that's going to be your most common. Like I said, I, I haven't had an experience with a um, client that's gotten audited yet. Uh, I had one prior client who got audited, but that was more along the lines of, you know, didn't pay the bill, that sort of thing. <laughs> I guess that would be a red flag too. <laughs> if you're not going to pay your bill. <laughs> if you don't pay and you don't file and right. you're not timely, yes, that is a red flag. Just, you know, do the do the things that you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing them. If you don't know what those are, go hire somebody who knows that mm-hmm. and go hire somebody who's qualified, who knows. And, yeah. you know, in the, in accounting, it's definitely get what you pay for, for sure, right? If you're paying for terror tax and you're doing it yourself and it's like 99 bucks, whatever it is, then your output is going to be limited. Whereas if you go to a professional who has seen and done this before, and that's all that they do all day, every day, just like a marketer. And when it's, that's all you do all day, every day, right? you're going to know, and you'll know, you know, within two seconds, what the situation is. Absolutely. I'm sure I don't need to throw a bunch of statistics and percentages at you for you to know that most of us spend too much time staring at screens. Being able to consume your content on the go means that your clients and customers can listen and learn from you without being tied to their desks. With Hello Audio, your customers can put their phones down, power off their PCs, close their MacBooks, and get the information they need from you while they're, let's say, walking a dog, doing a jigsaw puzzle, washing the dishes, maybe when they're in the car or exercising on the treadmill, sunbathing in their garden. Well, Hello Audio makes it incredibly easy for you. No more hours spent trying to figure out tech settings or trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole you can click publish on an audio feed in a matter of minutes and have control over who accesses what. So visit peppershock.com slash offers and sign up for a free trial of Hello Audio. So what's been a big surprise to you in the last few months or, I mean, six months or, or, or within the last you know couple of years even, what's kind of been like one of the biggest surprises or things that you uncovered that was like, aha, Biggest surprises, um, not necessarily something that we uncovered, but one of the biggest surprises was in the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, the whole world shut down. We had never right. seen that before. And what we were telling clients was, you know, prepare for the big one, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. And I think every one of our, in 2020, I think every one of our clients, except for one had a banner year, Nice. which that was the biggest surprise. For yeah. sure. I, yeah. you, because you sit here and you think, all right, well, if everybody's shutting down, what's the first, one of the first expenses to go, it's back office, it's marketing, you know, things like that. That was probably one of the biggest surprises. One of the other surprises that we're seeing right now is a little bit different. It's almost the flip side of it where, you know, we're having clients who are telling us, well, we're, we're getting a flood of resumes proactively. And a lot of them are coming out of corporate, um, mm-hmm. corporate organizations that, that's a little bit interesting to me. Um, like I said, we're going through a period of economic weirdness, so maybe it's not it's not 
that weird, but it mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, you know, trying to make heads or tails of the way that things have happened economically over the last couple of years is just a little bit weird. It's very, you know, not like anything we've ever seen, obviously. Yeah, we are definitely seeing some interesting things happen in our area, too, with the housing market and the, you know, interest rates and, like you said, the inflation. I mean, just all of the and it's it's so weird how quickly it happened from, you know, having to pay down on a house over asking price to now where houses are sitting, you know, on the market for a while because they're overpriced or, you know, it just seems like it, it is an interesting and like you said, a weird economic time right now, huh? Yeah, the whole thing's weird. Everything, <laughs> is. everything is weird. The housing completely unpredictable. You just don't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, the housing market's been insane. Um, interest rates are high. Inflation's high. Well, it interest rates are not historically high. They're high relative to the fairly recent past. I guess is is probably yeah. a more appropriate way to say it. So that I mean that's a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're seeing with our clients who have gone out and tried to get some sort of a credit in the last mm, four or five months or so, that's been a little bit more difficult than what we had experienced in the prior years. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. We have a whole bunch of d- data points that are just interesting. Um, the slowness is interesting, mm-hmm. but it's like nothing's really on fire, right? It's just a period of economic weirdness. I don't know a better way to to phrase it. So we haven't really uncovered anything, so to speak, in that regard. Mm-hmm. But um, just the experience has been, it's just been different. So, you know, certainly in my lifetime, it's, it's different than anything I've seen. And I, you know, I was a forensic accountant during 2008 when that happened. 2008, oh my. 2009. Yeah, for sure. 2008, <laughs> 2009. I, very, I was very early in my career. I very distinctly remember the partner called an all hands meeting in the conference room. And he said, Lehman brothers just crashed. And these are all the things that we need to think about now. And even this, just where we are right now, just feels weirder than that did. <laughs> so wow. like, yeah. I, yeah. you know, I don't know, maybe that's yeah. just recency bias. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll, it'll come out uh, in the wash at some point, as my grandma would say. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So what do you think the biggest challenge is, that you have to overcome or something that's going on that you're going to need to overcome. What's kind of a big challenge going on right now for you? For us personally, mm-hmm. in the accounting space, it's talent, the availability of talent, pipeline mm-hmm. of talent. Um, and that is related to the complexity in the tax space for sure. Um, tax returns are, are not necessarily something that we focus on. We're more fo- focused on the virtual CFO side, but mm-hmm. tax returns are something that we do as a part of that service. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that that you know we struggle with is just finding available tax talent. It's very very difficult because of that pipeline that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and it's getting increasingly difficult, arguably because of the increasing complexity and just the pace at which we're seeing change in the tax world, especially over the last two three years. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the biggest challenges. Apart from that, I would say that everything else is an opportunity. You know, the pace of change is an opportunity. The availability of technology is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, to some extent, even the economic, economic weirdness is an opportunity. Yeah, it's weird. It makes things in the future a little bit less certain. But you know, when do we ever really have certainty? Number one, and then number two, it's an opportunity for us to just provide that advisory service. So I would almost classify that as an opportunity. So there's a ton of opportunity out there. There's a ton of stuff that we can't solve. Um, but you know, I don't know that it's crazy more di- you know crazy different than anything that we've seen before. So because we have uh, this kind of 
happening with our younger people and figuring out what careers they want to take, what areas they want to get into, what advice would you give to someone who was thinking about getting into this type of career that you've led? Like, what would you say to them? What would you wish you would have known that you know now that you didn't know then that somebody else could really glean from if they are, uh, you know, a young person or maybe somebody who's, you know, looking at a different type of career or, you know, any of of those types of people that could potentially get into your space? In the accounting space, I would say there is a huge opportunity in the accounting space if you can figure out how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I like that. I love to say that. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable. (laughs) For sure. And what what I mean by that is historically, accountants have been the back office folks who just kind of, and the the stereotype is you sit there with the green eye shade thing and like you're in the back office and you show up and nobody talks to you and then you leave and nobody talks to you and like that sort of thing. no, that sounds like the IRS. I mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. But I, I think what you're seeing now is there's a really good um, contingent of younger firm owners who are thinking about things differently and who are putting themselves out there and producing content that's interesting and thinking about things in a different way and who are upskilling themselves in a more rounded, more diverse way. And mm-hmm. I think I think that that's happening, whether it's on the automation side or whether it's just on the knowledge side or whether it's just you know the content production side or developing communities, things like that. I think that there's just like a really good young contingent of forward thinking um, accountants out, that are out there and that that's what I would encourage younger accountants to to think about it's you know and to do those things you have to be uncomfortable you have to be uncomfortable learning new things you have to be uncomfortable putting yourself out there and putting your ideas out there and getting feedback about them it's an uncomfortable thing uh, and it's not materially different than what marketers do um, mm-hmm. but it's just different for i think accountants historically what do you think that the accounting industry can do to help recruit or get those people interested in this type of career? (laughs) That's such an interesting question. I had that conversation with some folks from the South Carolina Association of CPAs uh, a week or two ago. Uh Number one is pay. Pay, and it's, it's been, pay, pay is enormous. Pay hasn't made any sense in the better part of a decade. The reason why it hasn't made any sense is because it doesn't make sense to go to four years of college and pay several hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is and then to come out and then have to go fulfill a 150 hour requirement so you're go you're basically going and getting a masters or an MBA so you're you know that's two more years of your time and then you've got to study for the exam which is not necessarily cheap and which is time consuming and it's miserable so you're a couple hundred thousand dollars into this thing and like 6 years 7 years something like that into it and you're making 40,000, 45,000, it doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> oh, so yeah. salaries have to change, which means that fees in the accounting profession have to change. But then we also need to be marketing to younger um, to younger folks and their parents around, this is why the accounting profession is good. The accounting profession doesn't just mean taxes. It doesn't just mean audit. There are a whole host of different areas that you can get into. And oh, by the way, accounting is a really good base knowledge to be an entrepreneur because it is the language of business. I absolutely believe that. Mm-hmm. And you can go learn that skill set and then go, There's you can do literally anything mm-hmm. in the business world with, with an accounting degree. I think that that would be advantageous for every entrepreneur to at least understand the basics of accounting and basic 
tax laws and, and those things. You're right. I think that certainly helps. And me as a creative person thinking about numbers, you know, it just, it does have to come together and you have to kind of, even if you have to force yourself to like it, you do. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. You have to have a base knowledge of this is how this works. This is what my PL is telling me. This is what my balance sheet is telling me. This is how the two things operate together. And then this is when and how and how much tax I have to pay. And this is what I have to anticipate because that's, you know, the tax piece, if you don't do that right, that's a good way to create a bill for yourself that you weren't expecting. And then that hurts cash flow. And then maybe or maybe not you, you survive that, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, that's the compliance thing. You got to get the compliance thing right for sure. Absolutely. Okay. If you could step in my shoes for a second, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you already? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because basically every meeting that I ever have, I always end it with, what's the question I should have asked, but I didn't. Right. Yeah. Good question. Um, I don't know. You stumped me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, awesome. if, I don't know. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> well, how about this? I'll ask you this. How can people reach out to you if they are interested in uh, watching your YouTube, watching uh, all the things that you're doing, other podcasts that you're on, um, your website, all that good, good details. Absolutely. Best way to get in touch with me is betterwaycpa.com. And if you go to the top right of the website, you'll see a tab there for resources. The YouTube show is linked in there. We've got a whole bunch of eBooks that are linked in there and they're all free um, blogs in there. All the good stuff oh. is in there. If you, if you need resources. I can definitely tell you work with marketing agencies as a CPA because you've gotten a lot of good details on how to get your uh, brand out there. So good job, Chris. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for uh, your time today on our show and sharing a little bit more into what you do and the world that we all need to pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. Happy to do it. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Excellent. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you can do for Chris and I both is to share this with others that you think could really benefit from hearing what Chris had to say today. And then, of course, giving us a review on any of the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Go figure out how to give us a five star review or just leave us some words of encouragement uh, because that helps us with our ranking. So thanks so much. And until next time, everybody, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.